Welcome to the Mixtape, a podcast that delves into all things music. Join host Mia Esperanza as she takes you on a journey through the world of sound and rhythm, exploring the latest trends, classic favorites, and hidden gems in the music industry. From rock and roll to country and blues, from pop to classical, Mia will share her passion for music with you and give you a new appreciation for the art that moves us. So sit back, turn up the volume, let's get ready to rock. This is the Mixtape. Hello, everyone. Welcome to the Mixtape. Today, we're going to dive into the musical archives to explore the stories, artists, and songs that have shaped our culture. In this debut episode, we're going to take a trip down memory lane and pay tribute to one of the most iconic figures in music history. We're talking about none other than the king of rock and roll himself, Elvis Presley. From his humble beginnings to his meteoric rise to fame, we'll be discussing his life, his music, his lasting influence on the world of entertainment, and the ultimate creation of what I like to call the first real rock star. And who knows, we might even uncover a few hidden gems and little-known facts about the king and the man behind the legend. So sit back, turn up the volume, and let's get ready for a rockin' good time today on The Mixtape. I'm so glad you guys have joined me today. My name's Mia Esperanza, and I'm your host here on The Mixtape. So a little bit about me. I am a master's degree student at Florida State University studying public and corporate communications, and I have done extensive research on the music industry, music public relations, and ultimately branding and marketing on a creative sense. So if you see me or hear me go off on a tangent about that kind of stuff, uh, you know it comes from a good place of where I got my education, so at least I know what I'm talking about when I do ramble. But outside of my education, I am a lover of all things music. I grew up surrounded by it. My uncle played guitar. My dad and I growing up, our thing was to watch music documentaries, everything from Rod Stewart, the Bee Gees, and everything that you could possibly think of. Um, So through this podcast experience, if you choose, and I hope you do, to continue the ride with me, you will definitely get a glimpse into what my personal music taste is like and kind of where it came from. So my parents had a big influence on my music taste. Obviously, like most people, uh, the classic rock side came from my dad, kind of that dad rock sound, everything from Nickelback to Def Leppard, Guns N' Roses, that kind of thing. The Eagles was also something that I was brought up on. But outside of that, my mom kind of cultivated the softer sound, and my favorite musician of all time is John Mayer. And if you are watching, you could possibly see him in our podcast studio. I actually have my three favorite musical influences behind me, so Dolly Parton, The Queen, Elvis Presley, The King, who we're talking about today, and then just my favorite musician, John Mayer. Music and music history are some of the craziest stories that you'll ever hear, and so I hope that you leave here with something new that you learned and something that you're excited to talk about with your family because I am excited to talk to you. 
but on this podcast, I fully plan on covering a multitude of genres from pop, blues, rock, classical, jazz, you name it. And if you guys actually want to, you're more than welcome to hop over onto the website, miasmixtape.com, and explore the site. You can subscribe to our podcast across all platforms there. You can read a little bit about the hosts, me and Mocha. You can follow our blog, shop our merchandise, and even hit the contact page, and that will directly lead you to a form that you can fill out with topic suggestions. If you know someone who should be interviewed on our podcast, who is a musician or industry expert, all that kind of good stuff, you can fill out that form and let us know uh, your input, and we'd love to hear it. So we are going to dive right into Elvis Presley. If you know music or if you weren't born under a rock, odds are you know who the heck Elvis Presley is. So hopefully during today's episode, you hear something that you might be familiar with or we change your perspective on a few things. You never know. So uh, feel free to let me know on our socials or anything what you got out of this episode and what you think. So we are actually going to start in the early years of Elvis. I like to ultimately start at the beginning, work through their life story, and go from there. Elvis Presley was born on January 8th, 1935, in Tupelo, Mississippi. He grew up in poverty, and his family lived in a small two-room house. Despite this, Elvis had a happy childhood, and he was known for his infectious personality and love for music at a young age. This is something that I think you see a lot, especially in that time period. My great-grandmother was Cuban, or she is Cuban, and she grew up with absolutely nothing. And so I think that a lot of the time when you are kind of born into that situation, you have to make the most of what you have. So you see some of the most creative people who are born into poverty And they just make the most of life, and those are the same kind of people that just have such a zealousness and a zest for life about them. And ultimately, at least for my great-grandmother, she's one of the happiest people that I have ever met in my entire life. And I think you can kind of say that a lot about these artists, especially these people like Elvis. People talk a lot about his personality just being so charismatic, kind, and giving, and I think It has a lot to do with him learning to love life even when you don't have anything, making the most of what you have every single day. And I think that you can see that a lot in his musical influence and his philanthropy later on in life. It's just something that I think not enough people talk about was the start at poverty and how much that can affect you and how much it lends its hand to your character as a person. But growing up in Tupelo, Elvis was exposed to so many different kinds of music. Gospel, blues, country, and all of these ultimately would play a significant role in shaping his musical style. He received his first guitar at the age of 11, and he quickly became passionate about music. He spent hours listening to the Grand Ole Opry on the radio and practicing on his own guitar. But like many musicians and many people, Elvis got his first kind of taste of performing in church and school talent shows, and he was so popular among his peers. By the time he was in high school, he was performing regularly among local venues, and it wasn't long before he got the attention of a local DJ 
who helped him get his very first recording contract. I just, I think about that part of the story and I can't imagine being the person to discover Elvis. Like, what a feather in your hat to be the one that landed that kind of a performer and just an icon who was so historic. I would never stop talking about it if I was the one to discover Elvis. But it was clear from an early age that he had a natural talent for music and a unique ability to captivate audiences. He would go on to become, as you know, one of the biggest and most influential musicians of the 20th century, but I like to argue of all time, with a style that combined elements of gospel, blues, country, R&B, we created a different sound that ultimately shaped the history and the trajectory of the music industry and the category of rock and roll. With such a monumentous career, it's kind of difficult to sum up all of the milestones and all of just the craziness that goes into becoming such an icon. But we are going to talk about a little bit the road to fame and the rise to fame that Elvis ultimately went down. He started to rise to fame in the 1950s, and he just really got at audiences because of his unique blend of rhythm, blues, country, pop, and now what we know a little bit more of as rock and roll. He had breakthrough moments on The Ed Sullivan Show, between September 1956 to his third and final appearance on The Sullivan Show, January 6, 1957. It was during this time where Elvis really displayed his unique sound and his unique movements. So at this time, we weren't very sex-positive or sex-forward or progressive, uh, especially in the 1950s. I know when we see movies like Footloose and this kind of ban on dancing sort of idea, it is hard for us as a present day society to wrap our minds around something like that. And it's kind of crazy to think about how Elvis would just do his little wiggle and that would be enough for people to go absolutely bonkers to the point where the Ed Sullivan show only filmed him from the waist up because they didn't want his dancing on television. <laughs> I just think that's so ridiculous because I, I, I personally didn't see it as anything crazy. I mean, if you look through archives and video of Elvis performing, it's not nearly as suggestive as some of the stuff today that you would see on television, music videos, and even commercials sometimes, I think that our media would probably send some of those people into a coma. <laughs> but even with the censoring, Elvis still put on a really exciting show. He sang around seven songs and was put into three different segments on the show. It was ultimately his rendition of Heartbreak Hotel and Hound Dog that just got the audience going. And it was at the January show that Sullivan closed the show with kind of the seal of approval for this family-friendly version of what Elvis was. 
And you kind of see this. I'm going to touch on the movie because it is probably the most recent aspect of Elvis history that we kind of have. And I think I want to preface this by saying I think Austin Butler was probably one of the better Elvises that I have ever seen uh, play him. I think that Elvis as a character is something that is nearly impossible to embody just because of his charisma and just his overall personality. It is so hard to duplicate a person, especially someone who is as iconic as Elvis Presley. And I personally think that Austin Butler did a fabulous job. The movie, I have some other opinions on it as a whole, uh, and we'll talk about it kind of through the show today. But it was kind of this beginning stages that I think they did do a good job about talking about the Elvis craze. And you could see from the first performance and how they reenacted it in the movie, kind of just the chaos that Elvis created at this point in time. And he really just changed the culture and invented this exciting new audience and this exciting new way to listen to music, to perform music. And he became the first rock star, in my opinion. And this craze that he had, especially amongst teenage girls and young women, it wasn't really something seen at that point in time, except slightly. Uh, you can see it with Frank Sinatra and kind of the buzz that was created around him. Uh, old blue eyes and you really see this sort of emerging of the market that still controls pop culture and that's that 18 to 25 year old young women but I think it's so funny how on the Ed Sullivan show it was kind of this toning down of Elvis he was censored and even at the end Ed Sullivan basically said that he enjoyed the family-friendly air quote version of Elvis, which I think is just so, so silly. If only they saw some of the stuff that we have on our televisions today. But ultimately, his performance on the Ed Sullivan Show starting in September marked the beginning of what is really his reign as a cultural icon and as the king himself. But before that moment and really breaking through, he had already released several hits, including Blue Suede Shoes and, of course, one of everybody's favorites, Hound Dog. And this appearance on The Ed Sullivan Show was just really a defining moment that catapulted him to fame and helped solidify his status as the rock and roll legend. But the impact that Elvis had on popular culture was just so beyond profound. And he popularized this new genre of music that blended styles and then obviously his performance and his charismatic persona, everything down to his costuming was just something so new and so unseen for this time period. Elvis's influence on popular culture was not limited. He was ultimately a cultural icon who defined a generation of music, performance, fashion, and really kind of, for lack of a better word, he really shook up all expectations for performers, live music, 
and the scene that we now know as rock and roll. But every artist has a really deep influence as to what really inspired their music, their time, and I think in a lot of ways their personality and their artistic style. And for Elvis, he found that deep-rooted connection in gospel music. His connection to gospel music was deep and profound, and he grew up attending church regularly like a lot of people in that time period, and was heavily influenced by the music and the lyrics of gospel songs and music. As a young man, he frequently visited African-American churches in Memphis just to listen to the gospel music and even joined a gospel group in high school. And you really see that soulful type of influence in his music. And back to the movie, I think they did a really good job of depicting that and depicting him seeking out that kind of culture and that influence in music at a young age. And this influence is something that if you kind of turn your ears on and you listen, you can really hear it throughout the entirety of Elvis's career. Many of his most famous hits, like Jailhouse Rock, Heartbreak Hotel, and Hound Dog, just to name a few of the most iconic ones that you all might be familiar with, they were based on the rhythms and melodies of gospel music. And those are some of my favorites, obviously, because those are the iconic ones, and it is so obvious, like, once you start pairing it towards gospel music of that time, that had that kind of soul and upbeat rhythm that you can really pinpoint where that influence came from. Something really unique that I think he did was that he would include actual gospel songs into a ton of his live performances, and he used them as a way to connect with his audience and in my opinion, it really humanized him and put him on a deeper level than just a rock star. And it gave him a way to relate to his audience in a way that wasn't directly through his music, but it was through religion and humanizing himself and kind of sharing that part of him and people who are religious, like myself. You can really relate to someone else putting themselves out there and talking about things like religion and playing gospel music. And I just think that that was a really good way to keep him grounded from a audience perspective and really feel connected to Elvis in a way that you wouldn't feel connected to other rock stars or performers. Elvis's love for gospel music was probably the most evident in the fact that he put out gospel albums his Hand in Mine was a really popular one, and it released in 1960, and it was his first full-length gospel album and featured classic gospel songs like Swing Down, Sweet Chariot, and His Hand in Mine. The album was a ginormous success, and it demonstrated Elvis's ability to infuse his signature style into traditional gospel music, which I think would be incredibly difficult to do, especially in a time period that was so heavily surrounded by being in that constant routine of going to church and being exposed to religion and gospel music on a constant basis. So 
I think it was kind of brave to go in there and be confident enough in your own style to add to a traditional style of music and tweak it just enough to be your own and to be Elvis. Another famous gospel album by Elvis is How Great Thou Art, released in 1967. And that title track became one of his most beloved songs by quite a few people, and it won a Grammy for Best Sacred Performance. The album also included other gospel classics like Crying in the Chapel and In My Father's House. And his gospel albums are seriously considered some of his best work because of the fact that they showcase not only his incredible stylistic range, but his incredible vocal range and his just pure ability to convey deep emotion through his music. His love for gospel music was seriously evident in every song that he came up with, but his unique style added a new dimension to that traditional gospel music that was heard in that time period, and I think it just continued to define Elvis as a rock star and Elvis as himself and why it is so hard to duplicate someone like that. And now we are going to talk about a really cool time in Elvis history, I guess is what we would call it, or his story. Elvis was actually drafted, so he had to partake in military service before he was able to return to music. This was really when he was starting to skyrocket in his career, when he got put through the draft. And back to the Elvis movie, I think they did a phenomenal job of depicting this kind of transition that Elvis had to go through when it came to being drafted and the colonel kind of talking about how it'll look so good you'll be this down-to-earth American boy and you'll kind of fight all of the problems that you're getting in the press like at this point Elvis was just being ripped apart about the way that he moved and how suggestive he was when in reality to a lot of us who would look back on that kind of stuff, it is just a handsome man dancing and doing a little bit of wiggling. Like, let's be real. It was not anything crazy. And the stuff that we are exposed to now is on a whole nother level. And uh, that time period was just way more strict. And Elvis was threatened with jail time record labels didn't want to sign him. People were worried about his performances, both live and on television. And it was just chaos for Elvis at this point. And the colonel thought that maybe it would be best to take a break, tone down your image, don't fight the draft. And so they leaned into it. Elvis went into the military, and his service lasted from about 1958 to 1960, and he was drafted into the U.S. Army, which is where this famous picture behind me, uh, it's an iconic picture. If you Google it, it's called Elvis's mugshot. It's not an actual mugshot. It was just his military service picture. And although he was at the peak of his career, they didn't try to evade service, and he reported for duty. He was initially stationed in Fort Hood, Texas, where he went underwent basic training, 
And then he was sent to Germany, where he served as a jeep driver for the military. And this service had a significant impact on his music career. Not only was he taking a massive break from the spotlight, but he also couldn't perform in public, couldn't even record, and it was extremely hard for him to come up with new music during this time. On top of that, his image, like we were talking about, was totally changed. He was no longer that rebellious rock and roll singer that we were familiar with, but instead he shifted to a buttoned-up soldier. But then when you go through such a change like that, you can imagine how difficult it would be to get right back on your feet and attempt to kind of jump back into your career as a musician and as that rock star that skyrocketed you to fame in the first place. And so I think this is kind of where Elvis really started to struggle post-service. After completing his military service, he returned to music with basically an entire new image and a new sound. And he had some new hits in the works within the 1960s, including Are You Lonesome Tonight, It's Now or Never, and Return to Sender. And I think that this time period is really kind of looked at as the lull in Elvis's music career. So when it comes to his military service, I think something worthy of note is that a lot of times there were exceptions to the draft. There are a plethora of accounts and people who were able to escape the draft essentially by saying that they were the only child or a provider in the family and there were plenty of valid reasons that Elvis could have given for escaping the draft and not going into the service. But the colonel and a few other people ultimately pushed him to go into the service and to complete military and to complete military duty, essentially to clean up this image that was being dragged through the mud at this time. And when it came to Elvis in the press, at the peak of his career, he was just in shambles when it came to the news media, and people were calling him rebellious and a sex act and all kinds of stuff that were just completely unnecessary when you think of it, at least in today's standards. But so the military service was this attempt to cater to the news outlets, the media, politicians, and even law enforcement, because at this time it was so out there for this kind of act, music, and all kinds of stuff to be happening, that Elvis was constantly threatened with jail time if he even attempted to wiggle the wrong way. And so it's something that directly funneled into him having to join the military because the colonel and some of his other associates thought that it would just be better to go into the military become this buttoned-up army boy 
and come back kind of a new version of himself to the point where they even put Elvis's picture, the iconic one that's actually hanging in my studio, they put it out to the press. They sent that out and was like, look, he is a new man. And I think this attempt to rebrand really ended up contributing to him struggling to get back on his feet after his military service was over because I can't imagine how hard it would be to be in that scene and to be constantly essentially a fighter against the media and all of this stuff coming at you constantly to kind of bowing down and accepting that this is the way that it should be and changing your image to fit those people. And I don't think Elvis as a person ever was okay with that image change. And I think that kind of lent itself to him having a little bit of a lull in his career after his military service. Now, while he did continue to have some hits like Are You Lonesome Tonight, It's Now or Never, and Return to Sender, it still kind of seems like the 1960s up until that what is now dubbed the comeback special, I think Elvis was really having a hard time adjusting and trying to get back the rock star and ultimately the rebel that people resonated with in the first place back on his feet and back onto the world stage after his military career. Tell me what you think about Elvis. Do you like Elvis? Is he your favorite? That was a resounding yes. And that's a wrap on another episode of The Mixtape. We hope you've enjoyed the ride and discovered some new tunes along the way. Don't forget to follow us on all our socials to stay updated on future episodes and join in on the conversation. Until next time, keep the music playing and never stop rocking.